Today we wrap up the Just Like Us sermon series about the life of Elijah the prophet. Here are some of the highlights of his final game where he completed the handoff to Elisha. During warm-ups, the Lord sent Elijah to the sidelines of Damascus. Elijah found Elisha there, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. After kissing his father and mother goodbye, Elisha then slaughtered the oxen and fed the meat to the fans. Then he set out to become Elijah's backup quarterback. In the first quarter, Elijah drew up a quarterback sneak play to follow God's call into Bethel. However, Elisha modified that play so that both players crossed the goal line together. In the second quarter, Elijah called for a quarterback draw, this time to enter Jericho. But again, Elisha called an audible, and they both entered the end zone together. After halftime, Elijah told Elisha to sit the bench while he went to the Jordan River, but Elisha insisted on taking the field alongside his mentor. Then, in a play nothing short of miraculous, Elijah removed the cloak over his uniform, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water then divided, and the two of them crossed over on dry field conditions. Making their way then downfield, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah left the field, going up to heaven in a whirlwind. In the final drive of the game, Elisha recovered Elijah's fumbled cloak and returned to the Jordan. He ran the same play, crossing back on dry field, and now he was ready to take on the role of starting quarterback. Now we'll go live to the field for a little post-game analysis. <laughs> If you listen closely, that's actually a very accurate uh, rendition of the way things uh, ended up. Uh, I, I'm really glad you're here this morning. It's good to see you. If you're a guest with us, we're delighted that you've joined us. If you're watching online and worshiping with us there, we're, we're glad you've joined us as well. We're winding up this series today on Elijah, and uh, I hope you've kept your journal up, you know, recording some of your delights and discoveries and determinations along the way. And hopefully what we get done with today will give you some more information to write down and record. It's a simple one-sentence prayer that I read years ago. I, I don't even know who wrote it, but it has stayed with me. Lord, give me the determination and tenacity of a weed. Pretty good prayer. I don't know about you, but over time, life's frustrations can take the wind right out of our sails. We can become apathetic, indifferent, careless as a result. Nothing holds us up. We've sort of lost our spine. I, I, I miss Gary Larson's The Far Side comics in the paper, his uh, rather unique style of humor. This is one of them that stands out in my mind. Have you ever seen this one, The Boneless Chicken Ranch? <laughs> you ever feel that way? Uh, you just don't have any support? In your, in your life anymore, that, that your, your spine is gone, you've cried out to God that your spiritual energy is at a low, you've lost your spiritual get up and go, that you're spiritually spineless, that you're tired, you, you, you're, you're just not going to go on. Uh, you're tired of reading God's word, you're tired of serving, you're tired of worshiping with unbelief, you said, I've done my part, I'm just done. You ever feel that way? Lord, Give me the determination and tenacity of a weed. 
I remember several years ago at uh, the Winslow Road site where uh, we, we started in ministry uh, when we came here, there was a, a bulge in the springtime in the parking lot. And I, just, a, just a tiny little bulge, uh, but it hadn't been there before. And I thought, I wonder what, what's causing that? And I watched, and over the summer, it just continued to grow until it got tall enough that it actually cracked the, the, the surface of the asphalt. And lo and behold, out of that crack over the next few days, a, a dandelion popped and bloomed <laughs> under four inches of asphalt. I, I couldn't believe it. But it made this prayer come alive. Lord, give me the determination and tenacity of a weed. Galatians 6, 9, the Apostle Paul writes, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In other words, stay faithful. Keep on keeping on. Don't stop doing what is good. Stay faithful to the Lord to the very last breath in this world, and it will be worth it all. We've come to the end of Elijah's ministry, and the first thing I can tell you about his ministry that impresses me is his faithfulness. To his last breath, Elijah was faithful to the Lord. That sets him apart in Scripture, folks. If you remember, of the top 100 new, uh, Bible leaders over time, only 25 finished well. Only one-fourth, 25% finished well. That, that's, that puts Elijah in rare territory. I'm telling you that with time, our faithfulness tends to fade unless we tenaciously pursue God. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've read the story of Elijah. I know there was that time after that contest on Mount Carmel when he, when he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the prophets of Baal. He got scared. He got discouraged. He got depressed. And he ran into the wilderness away from everything. Yeah, he did. I, I agree with you. But there's a good reason for that. Uh, let me tell you what happened to Elijah. First of all, he was physically exhausted. He was just completely wore out. You've got to remember, for, for three years, he'd been a fugitive. He'd been on the run, hiding from the king and the king's soldiers until God's timing was just right. And he had built up for that moment on, on uh, Mount Carmel, preparing and getting ready. There's a lot of stress involved in that kind of thing. And when you stay stressed all the time, it's going to take a physical toll on your body. There's an old Native American proverb that says, you will break the bow if you keep it always bent. Just because you're a child of God doesn't mean you're exempt from physical fatigue. Sometimes you just get weary physically. He was also emotionally exhausted. When you face emotional exhaustion, it, it takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your mind. It takes a toll on your heart. One of the problems with celebrating a mountaintop experience is that there's only one place to go, and that's down. Uh, the period following any highlight moment in your life can be of greatest danger to a person's outlook. When you've been building up towards something, when you've been working toward a project, when you have been expecting and your, and your expectations are extra high for, for a long time, when you finally reach that point and you accomplish that thing, there's a letdown. There is a letdown, and, and that letdown, like Elijah, after that confrontation on the mountain, there was a letdown emotionally, and, and that can be a really dangerous time in, in a person's life. I just learned it this past week that the third Monday of, of January is now identified as Blue Monday. Did you know that? 
the gloomiest day of the year. And it's calculated uh, based on weather conditions, holiday debts, holiday regrets, unsuccessful New Year's resolutions, and a whole lot of other dreary stuff thrown in there. Blue Monday. How many of you celebrated Blue Monday? You see, be alert to the warning signs of not just Blue Monday, but anytime something like that is settling in, when your emotional battery is running low. And while it is understandable that Elijah wanted to be alone, usually when we're feeling that way, we want to sulk. We want to lick our wounds. But being alone is the worst thing in the world that you can do. When you are discouraged, the best things that you can do is find somebody else to help. Because when you serve somebody else, it will lift your spirits. The second thing is surround yourself with people that can lift you up. That's why God gave us the church. And that's why life groups in the church are so incredibly important. It's one thing to be here on a Sunday morning. That'll help. But when you can get into a group of, of 10, 12, 14 people that get to know you, that build relationships with you, that can pick you up when you're down, that's what really counts. So I'm telling you, when, when you're emotionally spent, don't run off alone. Find somebody, a group, a life group to build around your life. Because you'll be an encouragement to them at times. They'll be an encouragement to you. And then he was spiritually exhausted. Elijah had concluded, incorrectly so by the way, that everything he'd worked so hard to accomplish had been in vain. Jezebel and Ahab didn't change. There was not going to be a revival in the land like he had wanted. The three years he thought that he had spent hiding had been a waste. He had lost his spiritual vision. Lord, I've just, I've had it up to here. I've had enough. He'd lost his spiritual purpose. He was ready to die. Take my life, Lord. I'm done. He also had lost his spiritual perspective. I'm no better than my ancestors. God hadn't asked him to be better than his ancestors. God just simply said, be faithful to who you are. And then came the the icing on the cake. He played the martyr. I'm the only one left that's faithful to you. Have you ever played the martyr? I've been nominated for a couple Emmys because I played the martyr so well. (laughs) Do you ever feel sorry for yourself because nobody else is feeling sorry for you? you? You know what it means to play the martyr. And when that happens, it's easy to start blaming God for all of our problems. Let's not play the martyr. Just take those feelings as an indication that you're spiritually exhausted. And when you're physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted, you're a prime candidate for depression. Now, here's, here's the issue. You may need some professional help with that. You may need some counseling. You may need some medical uh, assistance. It's not time to stubbornly say, I'll just pull myself out of this quicksand by myself. <laughs> I remember on Saturday mornings watching the old black and white Tarzan movies with uh, Johnny Weissmuller playing Tarzan. And inevitably, in almost every episode, somebody fell into a pit of quicksand. And, and Tarzan would have to cut off a strong vine off of some tree and throw it to the person. Because you know in the quicksand, you can't get out of it. The more you flounder, the, the quicker you sink into the quicksand. I was scared to death. I was going to drop into a pit of quicksand in southern Indiana. I don't think there is any. But, you know, watching those movies, and it was everything that Tarzan could do to pull the person out. Now, here's the thing. We need help when we get into that pit. And you're probably not going to pull yourself out by yourself. You may need some professional counseling or some, some therapy of some. You might even need some medication. That's okay. It's not a long-term thing, but it just may help you in the process. Now, hear me carefully. 
When you get discouraged or when you get depressed, that is not to be equated with being unfaithful to God. That's just simply to be equated with being human. When Elijah was so discouraged that he ran away, um, it didn't make him faithless to God. Uh, it'll make us faint-hearted when we're discouraged, but it will not make us unfaithful. Uh, it, it's just part of being a human being. Here's where this prayer comes in. When you're down, when you're distraught, when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, pray, Lord, give me the determination and the tenacity of a weed. Elijah overcame the obstacle and he continued to serve Lord uh, as he had served him in the past. You see, faithfulness is a journey. It's heading in the right direction. There are ups and downs along the way. We stumble and fall all along the way. But if we stay the course, that's faithfulness. Author Eugene Peterson described faithfulness in these words, a long obedience in the same direction. And so when we mess up, and we all do, we don't throw in the towel, we don't give up, no, we tenaciously push up through the difficulties and bloom again. If you always carry a child because you're afraid the child will fall and hurt himself, that child will never learn to walk. The Heavenly Father seldom carries us because he knows that when we walk, yes, we'll stumble and fall, but that is what's building our character and it's also building our faithfulness. When we learn to walk by faith, that's when we are most faithful to him. And notice what the Lord did for Elijah. When you read through the story, this is what God did for Elijah when he was discouraged. God made him rest. God gave him refreshment. God reminded them that he was not alone. There were 7,000 believers in Israel that had never bowed to Baal. He gave him another job to do. said, I've got a purpose for you. I want you to go back and do, do a job. And then he gave him an associate in ministry, a younger man that he could mentor. When you are discouraged, get rest, find refreshment, Remember, you're not alone in this journey. We're here with you. Look for a job or a role that you can fill. Pour into somebody else's life. Find someone you can mentor and invest your life in them. And it will help bring you out of all of that. A review of Elijah's life provides us with a good example of what really boils down to faithfulness. He was a man who wanted to do what God wanted him to do. Can that be said of us? He was a man of prayer. And I wonder, does our prayer life stack up to Elijah's? He was a man of trust who depended upon God in all circumstances. How would you rate your ability to trust God in all circumstances? He was a man of the word who unfailing stood for the truth. Do we? And he was a man of obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I say. When it comes to obedience, are we as faithful as Elijah? And when it comes to dying, Elijah is only one of two people who did not experience death as we know it. The first one was a righteous man by the name of Enoch who lived prior to the flood. Uh, and the other escapee is the prophet Elijah. It was an extraordinary ending to an ordinary guy who had lived in an extraordinary ministry. 
Second Kings chapter 2 opens with Elijah and Elisha visiting three different towns and spending time with the prophets in Israel. Now, folks, I'm impressed. Elijah and Elisha both knew it was his last day in this world. And you think, oh my goodness, if I, if I knew it was my last day, what would I do? Elijah spends it doing what he had done every other day in his life, pouring himself into others. They visited three towns, Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. They were the seminary towns of that day. That's where the schools of prophets were located. What Elijah did with his last day was revisit the next generation and tried to encourage them, poured himself into them so that, well, when he was gone, there were others who would take up the mantle, that would take up the baton and run with it. Poured himself one last time into Elisha. What a great way to spend one's last day in this world investing in tomorrow. He was bound to leave this place a better place, and he did. And, and, and notice this, he was at peace with God. He wasn't scrambling at the very end because he had too much to make up for. No, he was at peace with God. So if you knew today was your last day, would it be any different than the days before? Would you say, I'm at peace with God. I'm just going to keep doing what I've always done. I'm going to invest in tomorrow with what I do today. When your last day does come and you reflect upon your life, what will you see as your greatest contribution to leave this world, the kingdom of God, stronger and better? You know, God has been so good to us as a congregation. I just, I marvel as I look back over the years with what he has done and what he has accomplished. But we dare not sit back and rest upon the accomplishments of the past. As our values state, we mentor across generations. As our mission statement goes, people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. It's all about preparing people for tomorrow. This church must be devoted to being a bright light for generations to come. Uh, six weeks ago, when I saw our, or probably more like eight weeks ago now, I guess, our children's choir up here singing their, the, the musical. Man, my heart just thrilled. And that was not all of our kids, that was just those who were in the choir. What excitement, what energy, what potential. This morning, you're going to see some of our, uh, our senior uh, high students uh, that are getting ready for spring break. They're not going to the beach somewhere. They're going to Guatemala to serve in a mission, and they are excited and pumped about it. That's what the Super Bowl uh, and salad thing is all about at, at the Fellowship Hall. They're going to talk to you at the very end of the service this morning. I just get thrilled when I'm around our young people. We've got some awesome kids. We've got some awesome youth. We have some awesome young adults that give me hope for the future in this congregation. And when a congregation is healthy and faithful, such mentoring will continue. But when a congregation's vision for the future dies, that congregation spirals into an unhealthy state and an unhealthy church family becomes self-focused and forgets about tomorrow and forgets about the next generation. I'm going to read just a portion of 2 Kings 2. This is, you see, the interaction between Elijah and Elisha on this last day. Listen for those moments that say, I'm getting ready to give you the baton of leadership. In verse 9 it says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Oh, you've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. 
And as they were walking along together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart, and he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the banks of the Jordan, and he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Now where is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And he struck the water. It divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Wow. Are you spending any time mentoring somebody younger than you? Are you helping anybody else grow spiritually in his or her faith? By the way, are you being mentored by somebody younger than you are in a meaningful way that doesn't involve configuring your remote control? (laughs) Because you see, what I've learned is that people who are older and have life experience have a lot to offer younger people about getting through some things. But younger people have a lot to offer somebody like me, who's got a few more years on it, uh, because I learned so much from them. It, it's, you see, it works both ways. Mentoring works both ways, and it should work, work, work both ways. We're helping one another stay faithful to the Lord throughout our lives in this world. I know our children's ministry is always looking for more volunteers. Being in the church does not mean come and sit. It means come and serve. So what are you doing to leave a legacy behind that will live long after you do? If this were your last day, would you spend your time helping somebody else prepare for their tomorrow? Now, I believe these cities are are significant for another reason. Gilgal was the place of new beginnings. It's where the Israelites camped just after crossing the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Um, Bethel means house of God. It was where Abraham built an altar to worship God. It's where Jacob had his dream about the ladder or the staircase to heaven. And, uh, And certainly Jericho is the place where the first battle took, took place in the promised land, and God gave the Israelites the victory. Now, those three cities sort of mirror Elijah's life. Uh, he experienced several new beginnings. He brought the nation back to worship God, and he had gone to battle against the forces of evil with God giving him the victory every time. By the way, that's a really good pattern for every Christian's life. Make a new beginning every day of your life. Make worship a priority every day of your life and make sure that you depend upon God God in the battles of your life because only he can give you the victory be faithful to the very end be faithful to your last breath Lord give me the determination and the tenacity of a weed and Elijah wasn't the only illustration of faithfulness Elisha's request was one of faithfulness too, a request that honored the power of God. He asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Hey, Elijah, I I want a double portion of who you are. Now, I think, in other words, he wanted to be the heir of a disposition or attitude that enabled Elijah to do so much, to touch so many lives, to deeply follow God so faithfully. Yeah, Elisha had been a good student. And do you know, when you study through the life of Elisha, you will discover this, that the Bible records twice as many miracles in the life of Elisha than it does in the life of Elijah. God honored the request for a double portion. He said, well, if you see me, when I go, it'll be yours. And you think, who couldn't see that? I mean, you're talking about a fiery chariot. You're talking about fiery horses. I'm surprised Elisha wasn't singed when it separated the two of them. 
Well, this is divine stuff. I'm not sure that the ordinary casual observer would have seen anything. Maybe they would have just seen Elijah gone, disappear. But Elisha was tuned in. He was focused on the spiritual. He was watching. He was ready and saw what probably few people would ever experience. A mere bystander would have seen nothing. Based on this parting moment between the two men of God who were just like us, here are three real quick challenges that we seek to be as tenaciously able to pass along the values of faith. Ask big. When you ask of God, ask big. God's a big God. He is honored by big requests. I think God sometimes is disappointed when we ask for piddly things. Elisha said, I want a double portion. God said, hmm, okay. I like that. It honors a God who is used to giving. God may not respond to your wish or your prayer because it may not be the best for you. It may not fit into his will. But he's always honored by a big faith that makes a big ask. Here's the second thing. Watch and stay close. Always keep your eyes focused on God and his will for your life. Walk with him. It is so easy to become distracted by the things of this world and in the process lose sight of God. So many distractions. Don't lose your focus. Stay focused on him. And here's the third one. Make the most of right now. Since you don't know and since I don't know what our last day will be, make every day count. Share what's important today. Because you may not have tomorrow to share it. You may not get a second chance to do so. Well, I don't know about you. I've had a really good time today. I, this has been so fun. I love the pep band when you came in. Um, I, I, Joe Smith taking his time out of his busy schedule to do the recordings for us. That was awesome. Steve Connor, who stepped up here and did our communion meditation. Steve played for the Bears. He didn't say anything about that. He knows the NFL pretty well. He played for the, played for the Bears. Our production and media team does an absolutely incredible, awesome job. It has been such a fun day. And a lot of people are excited about tonight. I'm not one of them. <laughs> this is Colts blue that I'm wearing this morning, all right? <laughs> and you, if you watch the game tonight, you'll see some fans that will act as if this game is life or death for them. I, I want to shout at the TV, get a life, people, get a life. And, and I don't know who's going. I don't have any power to predict the winner tonight. I'm not a prophet. Now, Jemima Packington, she may, she may think she knows who the winner is. I don't know if you know who this lady is, but she uh, is a 63-year-old British woman who predicts the future with asparagus. <laughs> she says when she throws up spears of asparagus, however they land, that's what she can used to determine the future. And she claims to be 75 to 90% accurate. If you ask me, I think she spent way too much time in the sun tending her asparagus, if you get what I mean. <laughs> Today's been a lot of fun. But, 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 here's the bottom line. When the last commercial plays, when the last piece of confetti is wiped off the field, when the dust settles, it will still be just a game. On the other hand, serving God faithfully is the most important challenge of life because it impacts, impacts not just now, it impacts eternity. Yeah. 
and preparing each generation to grab the baton of faith and run with it is our greatest challenge. So don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Stay faithful to the very last breath. Lord, give us the determination and the tenacity of a weed. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.